straight ahead on this April 2020 and inaugural edition of On SI. Dining in and taking out on Staten Island amid the COVID-19 crisis, borough eateries are adapting to a new normal and giving back along the way. The Staten Island Children's Museum is determined as ever to overcome the pandemic and pursue its mission to delight and educate youngsters. And giving locals a break from the barrage of bad news, how one lifelong islander is using his unique skill set to get locals talking about some of the positives in the community. Hello everyone, I'm your host, Patty Murphy. This is the very first edition of On SI. We are a new independent publication for Richmond County dedicated to telling stories on a wide range of topics, including the business community, food, nonprofits, health and wellness, neighborhood organizations, history, nature, the arts, and unique profiles of Staten Islanders who are giving back to the place we all love. We are nonpartisan, non-judgmental, and eternally optimistic about the future of New York City's often forgotten corner. While we are new, our team is not new to the borough. We've each spent years covering the county, living here, working here, and establishing relationships from Tottenville to Tompkinsville and everywhere in between. I'm an island native myself, a proud Port Richmond High School graduate, and an avid runner who knows nearly every bump of the Clove Lakes Park running trails. As the island prepares to rebound from unprecedented challenges stemming from the COVID-19 pandemic, we hope to offer a new voice and new perspective of the borough. We begin with a closer look at how the Staten Island dining scene is faring. While many restaurants were forced to close and lay off their staffs, some are getting by and finding ways to give back too. On SI's Joe Malvasio shares one story. Jimmy Max Pizzeria in Westerly has been doing brisk business during the pandemic, and owner Jimmy McBratney says thankfully he and his staff have been spared from getting sick. While his dining room is closed, he has found ways to continue serving his customers, even offering pizza-making kits for families to try while staying at home. As he watched the crisis unfold around him, he felt the need to give back to those on the front lines of the pandemic. He decided to offer lunch and dinners to busy healthcare workers. We try to do a different hospital, either Rumsey or Staten Island University, every other day. And then we do a different department. So we've done housekeeping, radiology, the ER, labor and delivery. He says giving back is what he and other business owners do all the time on Staten Island. And as many restaurants now struggle, he's been impressed with how neighborhood residents across the borough have stepped up for the hard-hit restaurant community. We have a lot of independent restaurants on the island. We have some chains, but most independents. And, you know, those are the ones that support every Little League on the island. Those, these are the restaurants that support every uh, auction. So it's now that the community is coming back and they're being very, very resourceful in supporting us. McBratney says locals, organizations, and nonprofits are helping by ordering takeout, promoting their favorite spots, and purchasing gift cards. He says he's optimistic that many hardworking businesses will survive and thrive once again. When we come out on the other side of this, when all the restaurants you know, open back up again, I think people will realize, and restaurateurs as well, that we all lead with our heart. If your heart's not in what you do, whether it's the restaurant business or, or anything, you know, uh, you'll be exposed as a fraud. 
And if you are truly that, that person that leads with their heart in all that you do, whether it's the restaurant business or any other business, you know, I think you'll come out on the other side just fine. Snug Harbor has been home to the Staten Island Children's Museum since 1986, and any visitor to the North Shore Institution would probably choose quiet as its least likely adjective. But as COVID-19 has forced its building to become just that, it has remained full of life in other ways. The museum's executive director, Dina Rosenthal, shared how it's ensuring the pandemic doesn't stop its mission in its tracks. Hi, Dina. Thanks so much for being with me today. Hi, Patty. Thank you for having me. Dina, the coronavirus outbreak forced the museum to close its doors on March 14, 2020. As an organization dedicated to education and discovery, how have you been able to overcome the challenges of providing in-home classes and services? Wow. I mean, that, that is a, an excellent question. The, the museum as a space that's dedicated to people playing together and touching and sharing objects and learning by doing has been upended by the pandemic. And so um, learning how to pivot and adapt how we do that uh, virtually has been a learning experience for us. I, I believe that we are living our mission when we say that the museum instills a love for lifelong learning, that we at the museum are learning how to be creative and build curiosity and be a partner to our community's children by providing this content in a new forum. And, and it is an interesting learning curve for us. So you sort of mentioned that you've been now giving or reaching the Staten Island children using virtual means. So which virtual activities have been the most successful in that they've allowed the museum to achieve its goals? So we've had to, to learn how to provide information on online. Uh, we have been doing a few different online activities. First, we're producing original content. And it is amazing, and I am in awe of people who produce content because it because it really is an art and a craft and a skill. And you can definitely see how certain people have a love of the camera, for lack of a better word, and uh, why some people go viral. That being said, we're learning how to do that. The other thing we're doing is we're creating PDFs and distributing them to our network of community, the, the Department of Education, parent coordinators, teachers, members, uh, libraries, so that people who don't have access to the internet or online access reliably can go to one of these places that are printing out our materials and giving a physical copy. So, for example, at the Department of Education's grab-and-go lunch centers where kids can get meals, they also have an opportunity to pick up a paper, piece of paper to be able to have some downtime from screen time and do something at home. So that's a way that we're trying to ensure that we're reaching the broadest population. We're also recurating 
content. So the other day it was um, American Sign Language Day and we posted the American Sign Language Alphabet. It was National Scrabble Day and we posted some activities that we saw online that people could do to play word games or just enjoy an old fashioned board game. And then we're also doing things like creating videos. Some have, have, have gone up already, uh, like the molting of our spider, and others are in the queue and are, are being um, edited as we speak, because we're learning also once it goes up, what we see works and what doesn't. You've been providing access to this content on your website and social media platforms, correct? Yes, uh, right, yes, yes, uh, mostly through Facebook and Instagram uh, and on our YouTube channel, but the best way to get to it is, is, through, is through Facebook and Instagram. That's excellent, good to know. Aside from developing your own content, you've provided suggested offerings from other organizations. So what criteria do you use to vet credible sources or materials? For, so it is a challenge for us to learn how to curate content and to make sure that we are getting credible sources. You know, at, early in the pandemic, I heard, I heard somebody saying that the, the same way that we practice good personal hygiene in terms of managing the pandemic, we need to do that similarly with online hygiene in making sure that we're sourcing materials from reliable places we do look at brand names, but even there you can get fooled. The other day we were about to post something from the Brooklyn Public Library and the word public was missing and it just said Brooklyn Library. And in our, we were having trouble uploading it, a literacy activity in a Spanish language because we want to make sure that we're providing content both for English speakers and people where English is a second language. Um, and it was not a real place. So we had to, you know, in our unraveling of why we were having difficulty, we realized that um, it wasn't a real site. So everybody has to take precautions to practice that, that, that deep dive and looking at, is this really a safe thing to click on? And just making sure that the name is correct and that the URL is okay and that the hashtag and getting the content through a reliable source. That's very sage advice that you received early on. And I think that you explaining how vigilant you are is probably very appreciated by parents who have limited bandwidth right now. Right, just like we want people to feel safe in the museum, we need to make sure that kids, vulnerable populations are safe online as well. Makes a lot of sense. Dina, I know that there are many volunteers who dedicate their time to the museum. I was wondering, has that changed since the outbreak of COVID-19? Yes, it, it, it has. We understand that we are in a crisis and that um, resources and extra time or that the need to help the human services, the first responders, the healthcare workers, the food pantries are where resources need to be. And we would encourage folks, kids, families to, to get involved in the community and people who were helping us and to redirect those extra time to take care 
of themselves and to take care of the people who are in most need. We know that the museum will reopen and we welcome the community to come back and help us, but we understand that, that where priorities need to be and um, we hope that people do that work to help the most needy right now. On that note, how do you think the museum will incorporate some of the lessons learned during this pandemic in the future? We are a, a hands-on museum, right? And we're in a time where and that in the, it's an intimate space where people co-mingle and socialization is stuff that we provide access to. And play from kids is interactive and close and intimate. And so how does that get reimagined is sort of questions that the pandemic is making us aware of. I think that there'll be a time once it's safe for us to all go outside that that won't be an issue. I think that right now that's an immediate issue. But what we're learning is technology in kids' lives, there has been a, re a rethinking of it, screen time, and how it's appropriately used. And I, Americans and people in general are so creative that in, in working through a problem, what we're seeing is that if you came to the museum for a program, you, and you, or you wanted to go to a program and you missed it, it evaporated. And now what we're learning is that we can use social media to either provide supplemental material that says, hey, you may have missed this really exciting workshop or art program that you wanted to participate in. So here's some supplemental information about the program and how you can maybe recreate it at home or try a project related to it on your own. Sort of the self-learning that kids are skills that they're getting now that they can continue. And then it also helps us create a document, an archive of the kinds of work we did and a way for people to interact with us virtually to say, hey, I love this program that you did and I wanna share how I did it at home or I wanna retry it again and here's a, a picture of it. So that's something I think a lesson that we're learn, learning about making lemonade from lemons, so to speak. Absolutely, I love your positive outtake on this. If people want to support the museum, where should they go? That would be very generous of them and really appreciative uh, to, for people to know, for us to know that the community appreciates us and, and folks who wanna make a financial um, contribution to us can do so on our website at sichildrensmuseum.org and there's a donate button. And we, we, we do have a, a recovery campaign going on right now. That's excellent. Well, thank you again for taking the time to speak with me today. I'm happy that we got a chance to talk about the important work that the museum is doing. I, I'm honored and delighted to have been your guest and thank you very much. It's been a wonderful experience to share this with you. And finally, as the COVID-19 emergency consumed everything this past month, one Staten Islander responded by finding like-minded people and community stakeholders to have conversations about the positive responses occurring throughout the borough. Anthony Rapaculo, the owner of Precision LLC, a South Shore public relations and marketing firm, launched and now hosts COVID Talks, a nightly web series with guests ranging from local journalists and entertainers to educators and island politicians. 
Rapakulo said his goal was to give Staten Islanders a release from the daily grind of bad news. We do need to hear the negative because we need to stay aware and we need to be informed of what's really going on. But at the same time, there's only so much we can take. He said a takeaway from all his talks is that Staten Island is going to get through this and become an even stronger community. During times of, of, of tragedy and crisis, Staten Islanders always band together. Staten Islanders are always there for each other. They have each other's backs. We are a very unique borough, but we're also a very special borough. And that's, that's something that has been a resounding theme of the whole series. And it's something that I'm proud to highlight. That'll do it for our first edition of On SI. Please check out our website at onsi.nyc, where you can find these stories, full episodes, and ways to support our mission to tell stories across Richmond County. A thank you to Dina Rosenthal, Jimmy McBratney, and Anthony Rapaculo. On behalf of the entire team, I'm Patty Murphy. Thank you for joining us. We'll be back next month with another edition of On SI. Be well. Hello, I'm Allison Miller, the Executive Director of OnSI.NYC. Our Board of Directors and I thank you for listening to this edition of OnSI. Our mission is to tell local stories and raise awareness of the people and places that make Staten Island special. We strive to be a resource for the half a million people that call our neighborhoods home. OnSI.NYC features stories that matter to locals. If you have a story you think should be told, Share it with us by emailing stories at onsi.nyc. Take care and see you on SI.